शिला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय ग्रांतराज श्रीमद भागवतन की जय श्री भ्रमर गीत की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रमान हरी हरी बो सो गुड आफ्टरनून टू ऑल ऑफ यू फ्रॉम ग्राट्स भागवतन And today, finally, we reach the last verse of Sri Brahman Gita, the tenth shloka, which is found as in forty-seventh chapter, verse twenty-one. So this is class number fifteen. We have been going through five introductory lectures, uh, trying to build up to this Brahman Gita, and after that we have uh, spent one class per each verse. So now we are in our tenth verse. So it has to do with our class number fifteen. As usual, we may first do some share some brief recap of what we were studying last week, where we discussed the ninth verse of Sri Brahma Gita. And we have to remember, previous to that verse, that the previous verse, the eighth verse, Sri Radha, according to our Purvacharyas, she implied to the bumblebee, telling him, "If you don't have any other subject matter to speak about, please." Then leave this place right now. So after this, uh, casually, if you will, the bumblebee to say that he goes away for a moment, or different commentators say different things. Maybe the bumblebee disappeared and then returned, or another bumblebee returned, or the bumblebee never disappeared. But Shirada, the beyond mad divine madness, thought it was like that and so on. But the point is that the bumblebee, whether it was there or left, comes back or appears again. <laughs> Into Shirada's vision, and in that context, Shirada wakes, awakens because she fainted when she lost sight of the bumblebee for a moment, thinking maybe Krishna, maybe the bumblebee went back to Mathura and is telling Krishna all of, all the things that I was telling about him here and so on. So she fainted and she recovered and she spoke this ninth verse, saying to the bumblebee, changing her mood suddenly for a moment, "O oh friend of my dear one, has my beloved sent you here again?" I shall honor you, friend. So please choose whatever boon you wish. But why have you come back here to take us to him, whose conjugal love is so difficult to give up? After all, gentle bee, his consort is the goddess Sri, and she's always with him, staying up on his chest. So our Goswami has mentioned that here Shirad in the beginning of this verse is showing the mood of Kalahantarita. Which means a lady lover who becomes repented after chasing away her lover out of the place where they were met, and the lover disappears and she suffers in separation and repents about her behavior. In this case, she does repenting, thinking, "Oh, the bumblebee disappeared again. Went to Mathura and is telling all oh, my abusing to Krishna, and he may not return back anywhere at any moment." So bumblebee returns, so she, in a very humble and gentle mood, receives the bumblebee. So in the if when when she says to the bumblebee, "Oh, please choose whatever bone you wish," 
then maybe the bumblebee will tell to Sirata Korinto or Goswamis, my wish is that you go to Mathura. So if that's the case, then Sirata will change the mood. We will see in the last two lines of this verse. When she denies, say, no, I cannot go there. He has co-wives there. And there's a whole different atmosphere there. Very civilized, aristocratic ladies from the big city. We are uncivilized village cowherd girls and so on. It's not proper fitting. So she exhibits also some Sanchari Bab or transitory ecstasy of jealousy, saying, if I may go there, I may go mad because of jealousy by seeing Krishna with other ladies. But as we know, even in, when Shirada's in other places, for example, in, in the commentary of Krishna Das to the eighth birth of Shikshastakam, paraphrasing Shirada, she will say, if I know that some lady lover is attracted to Krishna, Krishna is attracted to some lady, and even if that lady envies me, is envious of me, I will go to her house, become her maid servant, in order to take her to Krishna so she can give pleasure to him. So actually, in truth, she has no mundane jealousy at all. But jealousy can appear for a moment as a sanctuary bhav. It's a nourisher of the main bhav Shirada is exhibiting here. And even if Shirada says that, hmm, I cannot go there because of this reason, the bumblebee may reply, but Krishna, yeah, he's with other ladies, but she will leave all those ladies for you. Or maybe some other version was, there are no ladies there, she's al he's alone by himself waiting for you. Then it is that Shirada replies with the last line of this verse, saying, mentioning how Lakshmi resides or remains always with him, wherever he may go. One of the forms is in the Sri Batsa, this staff of her on her chest. Another Sanchari Bab exhibited here, that of envy towards the competitor lover Sri Lakshmi, which is Shirada's expansion, according to Gaudius. And the implication of all this is how can we go there? But basically bring him here, bring Krishna back to Braj. And with this Sirad exhibit is another Sancharya Bab called Desire, basically. So all these different Sancharya Babs put together in the in a figure of speech present the, the type of Chitra Jalpa of colorful talk called Pratijalpa. Remember each verse of Brahma Gita depicts one form of Chitra Jalpa. So this one is Pratijalpa, which according to Shirupa, Goswami means humble statements hmm, expressing respect for the messenger, but with refusal to meet Krishna because of his licentious relationships with other women. Hmm. So basically this verse, which is a very well-known one, also is an example of Srirada's different moods changing, not only in this verse in connection to the other verses, but in the same verse in itself in different lines of the verse. Mixture, mixture of moods. Sometimes this is called Bhava Sandhi. Mm -hmm. And we shared as an example of that also one verse as our conclusion last week, verse famous verse from Krishna Karnamrita, which Sri Radha will call Krishna also Hinathi, Krishnaika, Sindhu, Bhavanaika, Bandhu, Ichapala, different names. And for in, in each one of these names, she's changing, switch, switch, swifting, shifting her modes from accepting him, rejecting him, accepting him, rejecting him, and so on. And with this journey, different waves of power. Some brief recap of what we saw last week. <clears throat> so today we will go, as I mentioned, to the 10th verse. But before that, some brief uh, explanation, background explanation for this verse, since, as you know, each verse has some underlying dialogue, if you will, in between, in connection to the previous verse. So in this case, according to Sulajiva Goswami, here Shirada will, will conclude after mentioning the first nine verses, Ah, oh, what have I, have I been saying? I have not asked what I should have asked, basically. So finally, Jiva Goswami mentions with sincerity, gravity, humility, 
fickleness and longing, you can maybe even difficult to imagine how all the things can be put together and be tasteful, but there is a place for that in Brach. So with all this put together, with tears and choked voice, Shirada finally inquires from Uddhava. So interestingly here Srila Jiva Goswami mentions this possibility because till now Uddhava was the official messenger who was there and Shirada was speaking to, to the bumblebee as a messenger and saying all these different things that in one way were fitting Uddhava as a messenger. But Uddhava was saying, was thinking, is she speaking to me or to the bumblebee? He was totally overwhelmed. So according to Srila Jiva Goswami in this verse, finally Shirada will directly speak to him. Till now she was speaking to him through the bumblebee, we could say, in her ecstasy of Dibyon Math, directing herself to the bumblebee, but all the things inapplicable to Uddhav. But now in this third verse, she goes to him. So let's go to the tenth verse, which again is the last, very last verse of this Brahma Gita, verse number tenth. So I will share the verse with you in Sanskrit and in English here in the chat. Give me one second. And I, please, if you can someone can copy paste this in the thread in Facebook as well <clears throat> so here is the verse and let's recite it in Sanskrit Apibatamadupuryamaryaputrudhunaste <clears throat> Smarati sapitri geham somya bandum sagopam Kachidapi sakatana kinkari nam grinite Bujama guru su gandam murdhini So the translation says like this <clears throat> O Udav, it is indeed regrettable that Krishna resides in Mathura. Does he remember his father's household affairs and his friends, the cowherd boys? O oh, great soul, does he ever talk about us, his maidservants? When will he lay on our heads his aguru-scented hand? So this is the last verse of Sri Brahman Gita, where Sri Radha is speaking directly to Uddhav, according to Sri Jiva Swami, and finally making presenting what she should have should, what she should have asked and she feel felt I didn't do that for the first nine verses so finally this tenth verse she makes her point even more clear if you will so let's go to the word by word meaning of this verse and then we will try to unfold its content so first line says dhunasti so api means certainly Apibata, regrettable, bata. Certainly it is regrettable. What? Madhupuryam, which refers to Madhupuri, another name for Maturadam. So the city, Madhupuri, Pauripuri means city, the city of Mathura. And what happened? What is regrettable in connection to the city of Mathura? Aryaputra Adunaste. That Aryaputra, or the son, Putra, of Arya, Arya means respectable here, which means here Nanda Maharaj, the king of the Kaur village. Aduna Aste. Aste means resides. Aduna, now. So it is regrettable that now the son of Nanda Maharaj, of course, Sri Krishna, is residing in Mathura. That's the first line. 
Then she says, Smarati Sapitri Geham Somya Pandum Stagopam. So now comes a more detailed and extended inquiry into the direction of Braj. So she says, Smarati, which you may imagine means remembers. Saha, Saha means he. One second, I will close the window here. <clears throat> so, Psalm is here. So, does he remember? And now comes the list of remembrance in the land of Raj. Pitri Geham Sumya Bandum Shagopam. So, Pitri Geham. Pitri means father. And Geham has to do with the griha, the house. So, does he remember the household affairs of Nanda Maharaj, his father? Sumya. Oh, great soul. So, in this case, again, the, the word that indicates that Shirad is speaking to Udav uh, is mostly this idea of Somya. Krishna also called Udav Somya. So, Somya, he who is like Soma, like the moon, refreshing, cooling, creating some relief, and so on. So, oh, great soul, Udav, Bandum Chagopam. Bandum is his friends, and Chagopam, the cowherd boys. So that Krishna remembers all of them, his household affairs, the father, his father's household affairs. That he remembers his friends, the Gopas. Second line. Then in the third line comes more specifically after speaking, as we'll see about Batsalya Sakya goes the inquiry into the direction of themselves, the circle of Madhuri above. So Kwachit, Kwachit means sometimes, Api. Or, Saha, he, again, Katha, talks, Naha, Avas. Hmm? Does he sometimes at all speak about us? Basically, she said, and who are us? Kinkarinam, hmm? Griniti, Griniti means relates. So he speaks about us, Kinkarinam, who are his Kinkaris? Hmm? Krishna's maid servants. Hmm? So does he ever talk about us, his maid servants? And finally, the last line, Chirada mentions, express deep longing. Bhujam aguru sugandham murdni adashit kada un. So bhujam, bhujam means hand, sometimes maybe arm, but also hand. Aguru sugandham. So aguru means this scent of aguru. And sugandham, possessing the fragrance, having the fragrance of aguru. So his hand, his aguru-scented hand, Murdni Adashyat. Adashyat means may keep, will keep. Murdni on the head. So will he keep his head, his hand, sorry, on our heads, his aguru scented hand. Kada nu. Kada express when. When or when, as we were speaking recently. When or when that day will be mine. Nu, nu means maybe. Hmm. Expressing uncertainty at the same time. Will he maybe at some point, someday, expressing this hope and longing. He will lay on our heads his aguru-scented hand. So, some ideas in the word-by-word meaning. Let's go to the main commentaries in this verse, which mostly will be concentrated in the direction of Srila Jiva Goswami in this case, and Srila Vishwanath Chakrabarti So we'll begin by Sri Jiva Goswami Prabhupada, and she say, he paraphrases Srirada. Say, he says that Srirada here begins asking, is he now in Mathura? So actually, instead of confirming he's in Mathura, she's expressing some intention of confirmation. I would like to know if he's still there. 
So Sula Jiva Goswami mentioned that first Sri Radha asked this question because there has been no news of Krishna for a long time. I mean, Krishna left Vrindavan to Mathura, but so many things happened in between. And at one point, she stopped receiving news about him, so she wondered, is he still in Mathura? Because I've heard by some messengers that he had gone far away to the Gurukul, as we have already mentioned in the first five classes. At one point, after killing Kamsa and receiving Upanayana, Samskara, and so on, Krishna and Balaram was sent to the Gurukul in Avanti, which is not in Mathura, it's far from Mathura. Not that far, but far further from Mathura than what is Vrindavan. So she was wondering, maybe she's still there. he's still there or somewhere else, who knows. So hearing this, Jiva Goswami mentions, out of pain, it is that Sri Radha asked this first question. Of hearing Krishna has gone to the Gurukul, so is he still in Mathura? Has he returned? That's the idea from Avanti, from the Gurukul to Mathura. Hmm? So in this verse, Sri Radha Jiva Goswami mentions, Sri Radha is not putting on a pretense of anger, that she mostly did on the other different verses. When they say pretense of anger, we are not saying he was making a calculated show. Hmm? But the point is, it seemed like she was angry with Krishna, but not angry as we may understand in this world, but a loving, deep, deeply loving anger, a sanctuary bhav again. It seems anger, but ultimately it's a form of ecstasy. Nanda Maharaj, it is mentioned, when he inquired from Uddhava, remember before meeting the gopis, Uddhava met Nanda and Jashoda, mostly Nanda Maharaj, and Nanda Maharaj asked about the whereabouts of Krishna, but he didn't ask about if Krishna is still in the Gurukul. Hmm? Uh, and no news were heard about that, was heard about time because it was kind of forbidden. Because Krishna was living in Avanti when he went to the Gurukul secretly, hmm? receiving his education and so on. For different reasons, he didn't want others to know he was in the Gurukul. It was such relatively secret affair. Hmm? Why? Well, basically... As we may know in the dynamic, in the unfolding of the Nara Lila on earth, he feared that Jarasandha and others will attack Mathura. Remember, after Kansa was killed, some other Asuras were there trying to attack. So they, he feared if Jarasandha and others may attack Mathura, if they learn, they know that, that me, that Krishna is absent from Mathura. They may try to take advantage of that. And Krishna also was worried that the people of Raj may be in great sorrow if they hear Krishna is even more far away. Already they are suffering knowing that he's in Mathura. What to know? What to say if they know he's in Avanti, which is even farther from Vrindavan than Mathura. So in this way, without knowing that he had gone elsewhere, Sri Radha, Rajiva Goswami says, in asking this question, she spreads certain censure. And this indicates her gravity or Gambhiriya. Gambhira means grave and Gambhiriya means gravity. So she's expressing a very grave mood in this moment, asking, is Krishna back from Mathura? And if the reply to that question is, oh lady, Krishna's living there happily in Mathura, fearing such a answer, it is that Sri Radha will ask the next question, the next series of questions in the second line of this verse, when she basically is asking Udav, does he remember his parents and others in Braj? To begin with, where he is? Has he returned? And so on. And when we know his location, is he remembering Vrindavan, basically? Is he remembering us? Do we, do we have some place in his mind, in his heart? We cannot stop thinking about him, but what about, what about him in relation to us? 
So Shila Jibo Goswami mentioned that regarding the first question, Shirada was not fully satisfied actually. She was dissatisfied with her first question. So she continued asking many other questions in succession. And including in this series of questions, again, the second question has to do with the houses of Braj, Bitrigehan, the houses established by Nanda Maharaj. So he la okay, he's in Mathura. We know Krishna is back in Mathura. Gurukul is over now. So he's not in Avanti. So she rather may get to know this idea. Okay, he's back in Mathura. So he now lives in Mathura and he will stay in that attractive place for a long time. Or is he delayed there? So what's, in other words, why he's not coming back? <laughs> he's staying there for how long? Or he's not coming here because of some delaying there? It, all this converges into the promise he made to the Brajavasis. Remember, I will return. I will return. That's the only thing they have in mind they want to know. That's the, all their inquiries converge in this point. So, for example, in his, his Gopal Shampoo Srila Jiva Goswami at this point mentions that Sirada says, Oh, what misfortune. My lover has gone to Mathura and has not returned yet for a long time. Being controlled by the woman there and covered over, thinking he may not even be there, my heart in doubt has burned to ashes. So remember, for some time, Sridhar had even this uncertainty: is he still in Mathura, or he's who knows where? Not here for sure. So where? So understanding, Sri Jiva Goswami says that Sri Krishna was happily living in Mathura. She again asks specifically again this second line: Does he remember his? Pitrigeham, his father's household affairs, and his friends, the Gopas, the cowherd boys. The implication of Srirada here is, according to Srila Jiva Goswami Prabhupada, he, Krishna, is the only cause of living for the people of Raj. So the question is, does the son of Nanda remember the houses of his father? I mean, he was born here. He's a Brajavasi. He was born in those houses. So that's his remember the house where he was born, basically. Mm. And the house where he spent his childhood and so many of his lilas. Actually, it is said that there were many houses in Vrindavan that belonged to Nanda Maharaj. Because Nanda, it is said, going here and there in Braj, mm, built many houses in various places for the joy of his joy, for his Nanda Nandana. Mm. Or, because also there were many palaces in Nandishwar, here and there, in the, in the same place, there were many places. The word Gehan, or houses, Jiva Goswami mentions, indicates the places <clears throat> of various pastimes, uh, in which his mother and father cared for him during his infancy. infancy. So here, the first level of inquiry, I mean, after the general question, if he's still mature, the first level of inquiry has to do with the Batsalya circle. As we know this in the Bomalila, this unfolding takes place. Batsalya, Sakya, Madhurya, Kumar, Poganda, Kishore. Each one of the three ages of Krishna in connection with some particular prevalent type of relationship. So the first one is Kumar in connection to Batsalya. So Shirad is asking in this direction first. So then she will continue asking about Poganda and Sakya. And finally, Krishna's Kishore age in connection to Madhurya and of course the Gopis and herself. So after inquiring more specifically about Nanda Maharaj and his house, which of course includes Yashoda Mai, Shirada asks, 
does he remember his bandhu? Bandhu can mean friend, but also bandhu can mean relative, at least here to according to Jiva Goswami. So does Krishna remember his relatives such as Upananda and Ka, like that means another, another part of the circle of Batsali in the form of elders, Krishna's uncles, and Upananda is Nanda Maharaj's brother, and so on. So the extend extended circle of Batsalya in the word Bandhu, and then Gopa. No, and then he remember does he remember the Gopas now going to the Sakya region? Kaur boys like Sridam. Or Srila Jiva Goswami nicely connects Sridam with the master Dham of Sri, the Gopis. Oh, that he the friend of Sudam of Sridam, sorry, remembers uh, us. He's the master of the gopis. He's a friend of Sridam, but he's the master dam of us three gopis. So she's questioning here, does he has some time? And then, of course, then we enter into the Madhurya circle. When Shirada asks in the third line, does Krishna at some time or somewhere talk about us? Since we are qualified by being his servants, having rendered him so much service, so in this type of inquiry, Srila Jiva Goswami mentions, Shirad is indicating dainyam, or deep humility, identifying, fully identifying herself as a maidservant, as very nicely also Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami describes in his explanation of the 8th verse of Sikshastaka, and we have been reading this recently in Bulgaria. So that really shows her, her glory and his abhiman or self-esteem, self-consideration. <clears throat> Then Sri Jiva mentioned that the word kata, which has to do with topics, is in the plural in this verse because there are many servants in Braj and there are many details about each topic, each kata. And these topics were compositions with many incidents of various types. So everything is fully variegated. So many things to speak about in Braj, about Krishna and about different services that will speak about Krishna from their particular angles of service and view and bhav, and so many details about each specific topic, and all these topics were compositions or spontaneous uh, kirtan or songs they were invoking, which describes so many incidents of so many types, so there is no end. Anantakata, rasasya, so that will say. And finally, according to Sri Jiva, Sri Radha goes to the last line of this verse where uh, she expressed some very deep burning desire. She says, when will he place his arm or hand fragrant with a guru on our heads? Hmm? Which is like a sign of, of blessing. Hmm? Which in this case, of course, implies, I'm here back, I return. That's a way of saying when he will be back because for that to happen, for his hand to be in our heads, he has to return. So it's another way of mentioning when he will bless us with his return. And fragrant with a guru, this is like a very soothing and cooling substance, implying we are suffering so much in separation, we need this type of relief to keep ourselves alive. And Srila Jiva Goswami mentions that when Srirad invokes this idea, Krishna's a guru-scented hand, she experiences the very fragrance of a guru by way of intense meditation, by way of intense absorption in her words. Her meditation, her words, and the object of all that become totally non-different. So all this indicates her absorption in deep lalasa, in deep longing. 
Sila Jiva Goswami also mentioned that the placing of hand on the head also implies removing of all obstacles. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> and of course the obstacle is, again, separation here. We cannot meet each other. For whatever reasons, Krishna has not returned yet. <clears throat> so by asking when this will happen, with certain expression of our uncertainty, maybe, Senshirada, <clears throat> she's, so, she's showing deep, great despondency also. Because again, she has, she doesn't have a clue, if you will, when Krishna will return. He has not shown clear signs of a particular date. Even though he said, I will return in a few days, so many weeks and months have passed and he, they have no news of him in this sense. <clears throat> so after considering all this, Rilajiva Goswami Srirada remains uncertain. When will he return? Will he return? And this shows, he says, the height of the greatest longing. At this point of the development and folding of the Brahma Gita, Srirada Thakurani's longing has been increasing exponentially, verse after verse after verse. So this is the last verse of Brahma Gita, so you can imagine there is some crescendo in the, in the succession, the sequence development of this verse. So here Srijiva mentions, here Srirada's longing reaches its peak, its apex, climax. Then Srila Jiva Goswami, some few words extra he has to give as a conclusion here in his Gopal Champu, he will share some of his classical emphasis on Swakya Bhat. So of course we have to share that as well. So according to Sri Jiva, here Shirada, by one special expression in this verse, Arya Putra, he will emphasize this notion that Krishna and Radha are married to each other. So Shirada, here according to Sri Jiva, says he is actually our husband. <clears throat> and of course, many reasons are for that. The perception of other persons being our husbands is only an appearance, says she. That's why we say, Abhimanyu is Sirada's so-called husband. In actuality, Swaki, as we mentioned, is between Radha and Krishna. In Tattva, in actuality, they are belonging to each other. In Bhava, in Parakya, they, it seems something else. So Shirada says here, the perception of other persons being our husbands is only an appearance. No one in any other place has had the bhavas that we experienced for him from his childhood. In other words, ragatmika, from their very birth, from the very manifestation in the lila, all the gopis were in fully, totally in love with Krishna, even though that love, of course, was not expressing itself in romantic teenager-like terms when they were babies. <laughs> But in their inner disposition and constitution, that was there. Those babas were already there from the very beginning. And Sri Jiva Goswami said, by addressing Krishna's Arya Putra, Shirada is establishing herself as his wife. Now we will explain why. Arya Putra remembers a way of referring to Krishna as the son of Arya, of a respectable person, in this case Nanda Maharaj. However, Sri Jiva says later in this verse, she thinks of herself as a servant, kinkari, out of humility and loneliness. However, she's actually his wife. So actually means tattva. So as we already mentioned in many occasions, Sila Jiva Goswami is our tattva charya, so he's presenting this particular situation from a tattva point of view. In, in tattva, Radha and Krishna are in Swakya, belonging to each other, married to each other. Mm. Mm. The, Radha and the gopis are 
the Ladini Shakti of Shakti Mam. So in that sense, they belong to each other, they're inseparable, they're married to each other. They're the innermost intimate energy of the energetic. So in this sense, there cannot be parakia. But there is parakia in Lila, in Rasa, in Bhava, to, to further heighten the experience of these two Shakti and Shakti Mam. In the case Gopal Shampoo, similarly, Sri Jiva Goswami, interestingly here, she, he shows Sri Radha addressing the bumblebee and not Udav. So we have some nuanced possibilities here. In, in one book, in his Lago Bajstab Toshan, he may say something slightly different than in the Gopal Shampoo. So, o King of the Bees, I speak the truth. You are my benefactor, the friend among all friends. I hide no secrets from you. If one considers what is right, he should be my husband. Hmm? Shirada concludes according to Sri Jiva. Natural attraction for each other is the standard. So that's what Sri Jiva mentions. Is the standard of what? Of considering someone your husband. So that's the idea here. Shirada is Krishna's wife. Because if the standard for being wife and husband is natural attraction for each other, naturally, this is shown amongst themselves, among Krishna and the gopis from day one, as we mentioned. So in that connection also we could say they are husband. And also Natya Shastra, this famous dramatic literature on which Srila Jiva, Srila Rupa Goswami expressed his Bhaktura Samrita Sindhu and all his wrath of theory in aesthetic terms. In this Natya Shastra, its author, Bharat Muni, he mentions that the term Aryaputra, used here by Sherada, it's only utilized by a wife to address her husband. In, in, in aesthetic sensibilities, certain terms are only utilized to address in certain specific people. So, Arya Putra is only used from husband, from wife to husband. So here, Shirad is speaking about Krishna as Arya Putra. So it's another way of mentioning this Vakiya. Then Sri Jiva mentions also some long words he has to share with us in this connection that Bata can also indicate lamentation here. In other words, why he is still in Mathura? He should not stay there forever, but he should come quickly since he is Aryaputra, or Nanda's son. His friends are all of good quality, Somya Bandum, before the word Somya could be an address to Uddhav, but also it can be a compound with Bandum. So he has very nice friends, and all of them should be remembered. He has a very nice father, Arya, who is Arya, who is really respectable. He has so many abandoned, very special friends. And therefore, all of them should be remembered. He should be remembering them. Of course, as we know, he is. Krishna Simmatura, in form, basically only, but internally, he's most present in Braj, as my Guru Maharaj will say, in his absence, that what he's present physically in Mathura and Dwarka eventually. <clears throat> and finally, Sri Jiva Goswami concludes his statements about this verse in his Gopal Shampoo, <clears throat> going to the last verse of this verse, the last line, sorry, of this verse, mentioning that Radha continued lamenting, saying, When will he lay his on our heads his Aguru-scented hand? And interestingly, she speak, spoke in the future. I mean, she meant the future tense, when he will keep, which in Sanskrit will be the word Dasyati, Dasyati, when he will keep his hand on our heads. But she spoke in the past tense here, Sri Jiva says, Adasyat. Why? Out of confusion. 
So again, we this is one of many examples in the whole Brahma Gita and also some other parts of the Bhagavatam when there are mistakes, grammatical, quote-unquote, in terms of meter, mistakes. The Bhagavatam itself says that Bhattvisargo janataga viplavojas some mistakes may be found in this literature, but great sages overlook them because they found so much essential content. But we will say those mistakes are this type of mistakes. Some meter errors, but actually those errors come out of bhava, out of confusion, bewilderment, vibram, which is an alankara, vibrama alankara, an, an ornament, embellishment because of ecstasy. So they are so-called mistakes, but actually they are indicating the degree of of love present there, so there are no mistakes at all. Mm-hmm. And then Sri Jiva Goswami mentioned that when Shirada invokes this idea, mm-hmm. when he will place his hands and arms on her head, she herself experiences not only the fragrance but Krishna's hand, Krishna's arms. Mm-hmm. And being possessed by the fire of separation, she fainted. Mm-hmm. Sri Jiva Goswami mentioned when Shirada mentions the word bhujam, which can be in uh, war, uh, arm or uh, hand. So the very word bujam make her mm, collapse, basically. And then Sri Jiva Goswami mentioned that when this happened, after pronouncing this verse, everyone there doubted whether Sri Radha was still present or not in her body. Since saliva was falling over her body, her actions stopped completely and her breathing could no longer be detected. So when she expressed this very intense, condensed longing and hope and desire, she collapsed at the closing of the Brahman Gita, according to Srila Jiva Goswami. That's the stage we are in. He leaps out at, at the end of his description. So, some words come coming from Sri Jiva Goswami, but his different Bhagavad commentaries, Lagubhashan of Tosani, Kramasandarban, Gopal Shampu. So now let's go to <clears throat> Sri Vishwanath Chakravartipa hmm? in his Sarartha Darshini. Also very, very nice and interesting content he will share with us. So he begins paraphrasing again what is going on in Shirada's mind before starting with the verse. You know, he's giving first, well, let's go to, again back to the very beginning of the verse and even before the verse, the background and underlying reasons for this shloka to be spoken. So Shirada thought here, Oh, in my madness, I have been talking no, all along these previous verses, but I did not ask questions, the questions I should have. No? Sri Jiva Goswami mentioned some similar notion. Thus, feeling remorse, Vishwanath Chakrabarta Thakur says, Shirada reverentially spoke this verse, this last verse of Ramad Gita, mentioning, asking, is the noble son of the noble father Nanda Maharaj now in Mathura? Just as Krishna left Braj, will he also leave Mathura? And of course, the question may be will he leave Mathura to go to a farther place or will he leave Mathura and return to Braj? That's the leaving of Mathura that ultimately Shirad is asking about. Will he leave Mathura means will he come here? Vishwanath Chakrabarti Pad mentioned that Shirada did not ask if Krishna was happy there, but simply asked if he was there. 
And at this time, when saying this first line, she had a thought, according to Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Since Krishna was once satisfied in Braj, but left for mature city, won't he also develop a desire to leave that place and go somewhere else? So again, this is twofold. He may develop a desire and go somewhere else. That somewhere else may be somewhere else outside of the whole Mathura Mandal, Mathura district, or develop a desire and go somewhere else, which implies coming to the very heart of Mathura, which is Bhaktavraj. Ambishunath makes that clear. He mentions, paraphrasing Radha's mind, Mathura is so close to Vrindavan. Remember, it's a, it's a few hours if you go by some uh, even slow vehicle, if you will. What to speak, if you go nowadays by car or something. <laughs> so Mathura is so close to Vrindavan that it's possible Krishna may even come back here. So here comes the real reason for her asking where he is. Is he come to is he's, I mean, she's not actually interested to know if she's, he's in Mathura. But if he's somewhere else, if he plans to be somewhere else and that somewhere else, it's possible that it may be Vrindavan. He may, he may even come back here. Among so many other places, <laughs> he can go, he has to go. It's possible he may somehow develop a desire and return to us, who are not too, many, too, too very special people. We are nobody. But somehow he may want to return to us. And we know Krishna is burning in separation in Mathura with this strong desire to, to meet the Vrajavas. <laughs> So she continues thinking in these lines, Krishna is the son of a respectable gentleman, Nanda Maharaj. He's again Arya Putra. So, and, and this is a very nice section, she thinks according to Vishwanath, therefore, he, since his father is so noble, Krishna must be staying in Mathura because of his sense of obligation to his father, who authorized his going there. Remember, it was Nanda Maharaj who gave permission for Krishna to go to Mathura, to allow that, and he said, I will go with him, and I will hear him back. That's the only way I has, that he can be in Jashodamai for this to happen. On the other hand, here are other things, while Nanda's whole life is dedicated only to Krishna, hmm. Nanda is so innocent that he allowed himself to be tricked by the Yadus, who brought Krishna to Mathura. Again, Nanda is very naive. He's our king, but nonetheless, he's still a Baisya. He's still a Brajavasi. He's not a very sophisticated city-like gentleman who knows all these tricks to manipulate people psychologically and so on. <laughs> so in this way, the, the, the Maturavasi tricked Nanda Maharaj and made him return to Braj empty-handed and Krishna remained in Mathura. So Shirada concludes, oh, because of all this, Krishna must be thinking now in Mathura. Alas, alas, since even my father could not bring me back to Braj, what can I do to return there? And in this way, Vishwanath continues paraphrasing Radha's mind, therefore Krishna must be impatient to come back here, and so he has sent you a messenger. Again, Shirada is speaking to Uddhav now. Because of, and again, at this point, at the very end of the Brahma Gita, Shirada thinks in, in this way, according to Vishwanath, which perfectly fits what's the actual truth, why Krishna sent Uda to Vrindavan as a messenger. And so Shirada here is showing the actual feelings that Krishna is having for the Brajavasis, how he's burning in separation from them, how because of certain circumstances he cannot return to Vrindavan, as we have already explained and we will continue to explain. But it, this doesn't mean that he's not remembering them, that he does not love them and so on. 
So although, we know, although in, in, in other verses, previous verses, Shirada mentioned Krishna's heart is heart. Mm-hmm. He's like a hunter. He's a rascal. And so many abusing and bullying stuff she made from tip to toe. But also at the same time, we know who Krishna is. He's an ocean of mercy. Maduram, Maduram. He's sweet in every possible way. And he has a soft heart. Sometimes to further illustrate this, it is said, all of us know how Krishna was, he grew, he was nourished, mainly he was fed by eating butter, which is a very soft substance. So he loved to eat butter all day long. And this butter was made by the Brajabasi, so it's even softer than butter, normal, ordinary butter. So, how soft must be his heart? His Makanchor, officially, his name has to do with butter. He likes to steal butter, which has to do, of course, to like to steal the butter-like hearts of the Brajabasis, which make his own heart soft like butter. So, she rather says he has a heart like stone, but actually we know he has a heart, melting heart like butter. So, meanwhile, Shirada is criticizing Krishna, as we have seen in her ecstasy, we know that simultaneously Krishna is immature, <laughs> absorbed in Brajavasis. In Mathura, sometimes he's sleeping and crying and calling Maya, Baba, which means mom, dad, daddy, mommy, like this. Maya, Baba. And then Vasudeva and Devaki run. Remember, we are in Mathura here. And they and, and, and they see that Krishna is dreaming. And he's speaking with Nanda and Jashoda, not with them. <laughs> For Krishna, Maya, Baba is not Nanda. Vasudev Devaki is Nanda Jasoda in Bhava. Even though if some may like to say, no, Nanda Jasoda are Krishna's foster parents. But as we mentioned, even if that were be the case, in Bhava, they are Krishna's real parents. Devaki accepted this when she saw the degree, the extent of Yashoda's love for Krishna in Kurukshetra. So she, Krishna, in this dream, she's saying, Maya Bhava, take me to the pasture fields, take me with the cows. Allow to allow me to play, give me breast milk, and speaking to them like a real son, ultimate son. And similarly, as we know, Krishna dreams at night sometimes with the gopis in Mathura and what to speak in Dwarkas, we have heard, and dreaming with them and mentioning their names at night. And every other play person in Mathura, Dwarka thinks, Who are they? <laughs> and during the day, even when he somehow can consciously, uh, if you will, hide some of those feelings, sometimes he cannot avoid that and he's crying. Crying. And and, and the Mathura Basis will get closer and say, what's going on, Krishna? Why are you crying? But he cannot explain that to them. So he will say, no, some dust, some dust is from the wind is entering to my eyes and I'm like trying to take that out of them. But actually are, these are the, the Krishna's tears when he's looking into the direction of, of Braj from Mathura district. So this is the situation, no? As we mentioned, Krishna cannot forget his Brajabasi-ness. <laughs> Devaki and Vasudeva, as we mentioned before, they wanted Krishna to start a new life in Mathura. Somehow forget your previous life, have a second birth, re- become a Dvija, receive Panayana Samskar, go to Gurukul, receive new Samskars, become a healthy, opulent city boy, aristocratic personality, prince, and I mean, it's a totally different makeup. But Krishna received all these samskars, he went through all these experiences, but still in his heart of hearts, he remained a Brajavasi. So, returning to the narrative and Bhishma Chakravarti Thakur's purport, 
rather than she, she said according to him. Again, it is only because Srinanda is so innocent that he allowed his son to live. If Nanda had allowed Krishna's mother, Yashoda, Jasodarani, Rajarani to do so, she would have climbed onto Akrura's chariot when he was taking Krishna out of Raj. Shashoda will have hold Krishna, held Krishna by the neck, and gone off to Mathura with him, followed by all the gopis. But for some reason this was not possible. So even since Krishna left, Nanda has been stunned by separation from him, as we have already described. All the treasury rooms, storehouses, kitchens, sleeping quarters, opulent houses, all of them are now vacant, unswept, uncleansed, littered with grass, dust, leaves, cobwebs, cobwebs, and so on. So the question here, the Triada mentions, the background for her next question was this one. Does Krishna ever remember his father's houses, which now remain in this pathetic condition by separation of him? So again, Vatsali come, then Sakya. Does Krishna sometimes remember Subal and all his other wonderful friends who are now at present lying stunned in other neglected houses? All the houses in Braj are neglected, all the Brajavas are neglecting themselves in one sense because of separation from Krishna. They cannot bear any longer. So here Shirada by asking Udab about if Krishna is remembered the Brajabhasis in Darkly, she's implying, what's their condition now? I mean, he should remember them because they are remembering him so much. They are suffering for him so much in separation that naturally he should reciprocate with that. And again, Yatamam Stam Prabhadanti, he's reciprocating accordingly, as we know. He's correspondingly absorbing them as well. And then, as we know, after asking, inquiring about the Batsali and Sakya circles, she goes to the Mathura, Madhurya, sorry, circle. So Shirada will continue, as according to Vishwanath, mentioning that the woman in Mathura, who now associates with Krishna, cannot know how to serve him in the ways that pleases him most. Again, this is the main torture, if you will, for Radha and the gopis. Not so much mundane jealousy Krishna's with other ladies, but we know he's not receiving this degree of pleasure he could receive from us. He's not fully satisfied as he should. And we only want to live for giving satisfaction to him. And we, the very idea of knowing, sensing that he's not receiving that degree of pleasure pains our heart the most. So this is the, the, question, the background behind Shirada's question in the third line. When these ladies in Mathura see that Krishna is not satisfied, and they ask him how we can make you happy, so now the question rather comes, does Krishna at that moment tells them about us gopis? Does he inform them about the degree of our, again, not because of ego and pratishta, but just to, to inform them about some other reality and some other <coughs> platform, constellation of pleasure giving? Have you heard, Shirada asked Uddhava, have you heard our names just one when he speaks there? Hmm? Krishna actually should tell them, these ladies. All of you city ladies hmm, cannot please me as much as the gopis of Braj. And we know Krishna feels this. Hmm? They are most expert in stringing flower garlands, perfuming their bodies with ornaments, playing various rhythms and melodies on string instruments, 
dancing and singing in the Rasalila, displaying their beauty, charm and cleverness, and skillfully playing at questions and answers. So in all these games and arts, ornamentation, the gopis, all of them are doing this to fully satisfy the unending desires in the heart of Lasty Krishna. <laughs> Transcendental last for sure. Come on deep. And then Sri Krishna will tell these ladies, according to Srirada, these gopis are especially expert in the pastimes of meeting one's lover and in all the stages of Prem, such as Sneha, Man, Pranay, and so on. Like implying they have reached the ultimate degree of Prem, Mahabhav, and so on, which Srirada is exhibiting now, which is not present in that degree in the queens, Dwarka, Mathur, and so on. So Srirada concludes, Sri Krishna surely... Surely Krishna must know this about us. Therefore, he will probably tell the woman of Mathura, My dear woman of the Jadu clan, please go back to your families. I no longer desire to associate with you. In fact, I'm going back to Braj early tomorrow morning. So this is again Sirada's deep longing. She's visualizing what she wants, <coughs> but at the same time she knows <coughs> what Krishna wants. Somehow or other. And as we will see... <coughs> All this necessity and desire she's expressing here will become true eventually. Then we get to the final last line of this verse again. We should rather conclude saying, Oh, when will Krishna speak like this and come back here to place his hand fragrant with a guru on our heads? Then he will console us, saying, O beloved of my heart, I swear to you that I will never abandon you again and go elsewhere. Indeed, I have not been able to find anyone in all the three worlds with even a trace of your good qualities. And again, all this will happen. We will see this in, in our next meetings. This is not the last meeting, just in case. <laughs> this is the last verse of Brahma Gita. But we'll have some concluding meetings as well. So we will see the happy end to this story. This divine drama. So, here we have these four lines. And each one of the four lines exhibit a particular type of pava by Shirada That will make, of course, for one specific Chitra Jalp as usual. In one commentary on his Krishna, to, to the Krishna Karnamrita of Bilba Mangala Thakur, Krishna Das Kavirash mentioned that in this verse... <coughs> These four lines successively illustrate these four items. First line, gravity. When Shirada is saying, it is regrettable that Krishna is immature. First line, gravity. Gambiria. Second line, danya, humility. Shirada is asking, does he remember his father and friends? Third line, agitation. When she's asking, does he ever talk about us? And finally, fourth last line, Shirada exhibiting extreme longing. When she's asking when he will put his hand on our heads. I'm fainting after that. So Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur mentions that this verse is an example of the last remaining type of Chitra Jalpa called Sujalpa. <clears throat> so Srila Rupa Goswami defines Sujalpa in his Ujbal Nilamani and he says, When out of honest sincerity a lover inquires about Sri Hari with gravity, humility, unsteadiness, and intense eagerness, such speech is known as sujalpa. So these four items, again, are the ones mentioned also by Krishna Das Kaviraj, belonging 
to each one of the four lines of this verse. First gravity, then humility, then uh, agitation or unsteadiness, and then longing or intense eagerness. So again, all of these particular bhavas put together make for a particular type of colorful or divine crazy talk hmm, called Chitrajalpa. So then, before closing his commentary, Srila Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur shares some brief additional remarks. First, he mentions closing with these ten verses and the ten types of Chitrajalpa. He says, these are there are ten divisions of Dibyon Mat. Remember, Dibyon Mat means divine madness. So it's divided in ten, and these ten expressions of Dibyon Madness are expressed by ten types of Chitrajalpa, or colorful talks. These ten types of madness appear in Radha in her manifestation of bewilderment, Mohana, which also is, of course, a development of Mother Nakya Mahabha called Moha Nakya Mahabha. He says, the most excellent part of Mahabhava. So remember, Sri Radha is Mahabhava Swarupini. Mahabhava is the very essence of Prem. The ultimate development of Prem, Sneha Man Pranaya Raga Nurag Bhav Mahabhava. And this Mahabhava, because these different stages of the self-development, Rudha Mahabhav, Adirudha Mahabhav, Madanakya Mahabhav, Mohanakya Mahabhav. So here we reach this, after all these different songs of the gopis in the Gita, in the Bhagavatam, sorry, Venu Gita, Pranaya Gita, Gopi Gita, Jugal Gita, Viraha Gita, now Brahman Gita, we are reaching more and more condensed expressions of Prem, which in this particular song, which is sung by the very personification of Mahabhab, Mahabhab Sarupini, Sirada Thakurani, in, we find this ultimate peak of development of Mahabhab, Mohanaki Mahabhab, in Divine Madness. And here, Sri Vishwanachakabharta Thakur is, these different types of madness, expressing each successive ten types of verses, appear in Sirada, your manifestation of bewilderment. And this represents the most excellent part of Mahabhav. Now, interestingly, till now we have had this notion, okay, Shurada is speaking to a bumblebee in the first nine verses, and in this last one, he's speaking, she's speaking to Uddhav more directly. But the bumblebee we, we were mentioning is just bumblebee, and Shurada is speaking to a bumblebee, and she hears the bumblebee replying to her, in her madness, but actually the bumblebee is just humming like a bumblebee, not speaking, but in Divya Mas she hears that and so on. <coughs> so that's the general, of course, idea of this, but interestingly here at the very end of the Brahma Gita, Sri Bishmanat Chakravarta Kushar's a very unique insight, which will be applied to everything that we have seen till now in the Brahma Gita. And he says, Some authorities say that Krishna himself assume the form of the messenger B in order to drink the sweetness of Radha's Chitra Jalpa. So here we have another <laughs> layer to add to the whole discussion. And we can apply this notion to all the verses of the Brahma Gita we have studied. Some authorities, which is implying not everyone, there is no there may be not full consensus, but some authorities say that and enough there are enough authoritative enough for Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur to include this mentioning in the closing of his commentary, mentioned that this bumblebee was actually none other than Krishna himself appearing in the form 
of a bumblebee. Krishna himself is known as a bumblebee in many ways, many names, Madhusudan, Madhupati, and this, Madhuhir, Madhudat. So it is mentioned, this option is there. We can conceive the bumblebee, Radha, I mean the Brahma Gita can be conceived as a dialogue between Radha and Krishna, basically. In this really deeply esoteric, mysterious way. Sri Radha in totally, in total extreme debut mat, and Krishna appearing disguised as a bumblebee. Speaking through buzzing and her and Shirada understanding all the buzzing of Krishna, like decoding that, this encrypted speech and understanding the buzzing and all the things that Krishna has to say and replying to that and, and, and increasing, reaching peak, higher and higher peaks of deviant math. And Krishna is a bumblebee drinking, as a bumblebee is drinking the pollen, the nectar of the flower, Krishna is a bumblebee here is drinking the sweetness of Sri Radha's Chitra Jalpa. Mad talks in Divian Ma. It's a very interesting, unique closing contribution here, here as well. So, before sharing some concluding words, let's go one more time to the verse as we usually do with Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's poeticized version in Bengali. We shared just the English version of it as to make full circle and one more time invoke this tenth last verse of Brahma Gita. He says, Addressing the messenger as lovely, the gopi, Sri Radha, joyfully said, That high-born son is now back from Gurukul, residing happily in the town of Mathura, forgetting the well-shaped ladies of Braj. Does he ever remember the topics of his father's house? We are just maidservants. Does he ever mention topics concerning us, or has he forgotten everything? When will he touch me? knowing that I deserve some happiness? When will he put his hand fragrant with the scent of a guru on the gopi's head? <clears throat> so here we find Sri Radha's last words, again in the Brahma Gita. And again, we have always to maintain the proper context and bear in mind how Krishna is receiving all these words from Mathura, or if you want to conceive him as a, as a bumblebee, or in whatever other form. But again, he is constrained by a particular love of Mathura, by the particular circumstances that unfolding in the Mathura Lila. Krishna in Mathura, or what to speak in Dwarka, we can make some parallel with Sri Ramachandra in Ajodhya, when he banished, Sri Ram banished Sita for 11,000 years. You know the story, I won't go into details now, at the end of the Lila. So during that time in separation from, from his beloved, Sri Ram, during the day as the king, will attend all the citizens regarding whatever they need with a big smile, if you will, or some form of smile at least. But at night, when he was in his own inner chambers, he will desperately cry, lock himself and cry in separation from Sita Devi. So in a similar way, Krishna is now in Mathura and he's becoming a, a great personality, a prince. He has a nice face for everyone, being a prince there in Mathura somehow. But at night, he's crying bitterly in Viraha, in separation, in the innermost chambers of his house and his, his heart, basically. Remember, all on Mathura and eventually in, in Dwarka even more, because it's even far further from Vrindavan, all these queens there come to Krishna in the night, perfuming themselves and preparing themselves to try to serve and please Krishna during the night. 
But actually, Krishna is totally in another channel, if you will. He feels more attraction to the cows in Vrindavan than to the queens. These queens that are Lakshmi personify them more. And Krishna is more attracted to the cows of Raj. What to speak, how much attracted he is to the gopis than to the queens and ladies outside of Raj. Even the cows are more attractive. Everyone, they're in Raj. So he's Hari on one side. He's the one who takes away suffering, as we know. <laughs> but interestingly, the dynamic of himself being also Rasa Raj, the taster of Rasa and the two, two sides of the coin, the polarity of, of, of Rasa, union separation, this Hari who takes away suffering, he chooses to drown himself into a pool of tears, into an ocean of separation, plunging himself into this ocean. Hmm? Similarly, again, going back to the idea of Ramachandra and Ramlila, when he goes to the forest for so many years, and all this separation, Lila churns the heart, again, makes the heart grow fonder. Hmm? That's why we like this, even though we may be crying, it may be... We know we may find some suffering. We may speak in terms of suffering. Sometimes the example is given. Some sadhu may visit the village and recite, let's say, this Ram Lila or Krishna Lila even for a week. So everyone will go there, <coughs> and especially they will cry a lot in the sections, of, in this type of section, separation. Sita is being banished, Ram is going to the forest, or Krishna is going to Mathura, and the Brajabhasis are suffering, and crying and crying. But when this the session is over after a week, the sadhu leaves, and everyone in the village will cry, but because they cannot continue crying by hearing the narrative, because they cannot continue experiencing this unique type of union in separation. That's what we call B-yoga. B-yoga is a way of speaking. Yoga means union. B-yoga generally is translated as separation. But B, in B-yoga, B comes from Bishesh. So Bishesh means special. Special yoga, special type of union actually means be yoga or biraha the same. Which type of special type of union? Union in separation. So yes, Krishna accepted for different reasons leaving to leave Raj in one particular form, as we know, in, in his original form he always remained there and manifest. So sometimes again we already spoke about that, but we'll continue speaking about that now and in next series, series, next lectures to make full circle to the series. There is one famous line, verse, but the first line that defines our Gaudiya Sampradaya: Sri but the first line, it means in our worshipping, worshipable Bhagavan is the one who resides in Braj. Braj Krishna is our Istadev, basically. So if Braj Krishna is our Istadev again, one may ask why he left Braj. And of course, this is we could say the crash jewel of all mysteries in our Gaudiya Sampradaya. Why? What's the reason behind Krishna leaving Braj? And it was a mystery for all since the Goswamis came. Before the Goswamis, I will say that mostly, at least overtly, this nobody was able to really explain the real reason why Krishna left Braj. So there is a parabichar, which means apparent consideration, but we are interested in the direct the real truth, the real thing, why this happened. And again, we already spoke about this. We'll mention it again as a way of 
remembering these ideas, why Krishna is not returning, not only why Krishna left Raj, we can explain that e relatively more easily, but why he didn't return to Raj, that's on another level. As we mentioned, Krishna killed many demons in Raj, but then after killing Kamsa in Mathura, somehow the spotlight is on him. So we have hundreds of armies of Asuras that want to attack him. So if he goes to Raj, and again, in the early psychology of the Lila on Earth, how the Gopas hmm, will protect themselves? What, with, with cow dung? With these discs of cow? There were Sudarshans with cow dung? What will they do if these armies of Asuras go? Hmm? And also, as we know, Krishna went to Brinda, to Mathura and he saw Vasudeva in Devaki after being born from them, basically in his expansion in Mathura. So he left them after being there for some brief time, they will die immediately because Vasudeva Devaki never had Krishna and they went to jail for so many years and once they are, go out, they are going out of jail and having Krishna and Krishna goes, they will die. They won't be, they won't be able to remain alive. But the Brajabhasas are able to remain alive. And this doesn't mean they love Krishna less. This means they love Krishna more. And even though they're burning alive in the forest fire of separation, somehow they keep themselves alive with big endeavor because of this promise of Krishna, I will return. I will return. And they are thinking, if Krishna returns and he sees us death, he will feel so much suffering. So we don't want to create any suffering. So somehow we have to remain alive ourselves. But the Mathurabhasis do not have that love to tolerate Krishna's separation, which is another form of love for sure. If you can live without someone and you die in separation, that means, oh, you love that person so much. But on top of that, if you remain alive in separation, of course it may seem you don't love that person, you continue your life as if nothing, but we see that the Brajabhasis do not continue their life as if nothing. But at the same time, they do not die. So there's a very unique mystery there. Again, the, the Mathurabhasis are not able to tolerate that. That's similar to Dasarat Maharaj. When he was separated from Ramachandra, he, he was not able to survive that. He died very soon after he left. But the Brajabhasis, as we know, they have much more, much more love for Krishna. But they tolerate and they tolerate, and they tolerate their pain, so he doesn't suffer. It's not about them. It's not about their concerning for survival concerns or something like that. Survival of the fittest here? No, no. The survival of the <laughs> most loving. Hmm? So that's their consideration. Krishna may return. Krishna may return. That's our only hope. And if he returns, we are dead. We don't want to make him suffer. Let's continue surviving for him. Hmm? So all these sections that we are going through here in this study is, is really a deep instruction to us about this depth of love mm, that we have acquired, actually, mm, as sadakas even, how we should feel, how we should reciprocate accordingly mm, with the gift that has knocked on our doors, all of, uh, all of which, for us sadakas, all of which, of course, this gift begin in connection to Guru and Vaishnavas, mm, from whom we learned all these topics for sure. Of course, here we are speaking about Radha, Krishna, Gopis, Brajavasis, Mathurabasis, Lilas. But for us Sadakas here, um, the beginning point naturally is through the gates of Gaur Lila and in the association of Guru and Vaishnavas, from whom we receive the current, the connection, the access, the grace. And of course, our debt with Guru Vaishnava can never be paid, but we have to do something. Once 
it is said that one guru said to his disciple, at least give me two tears per day, and I will give you two tears of, of mind to you. That will be our daily interaction. So we have to begin somewhere, basically. Some form of gratitude has to be there, and of course, as we spoke some days, there is something even beyond gratitude <laughs> on the level of topmost intimacy, but we have to begin somewhere again. So at this point, again, after Sri Radha speaks this last verse of Ramar Gita, remember, she's speaking to Uddhav here, so at one point Uddhav now considers, okay, now Sri Radha is addressing me, is acknowledging me as a messenger present here, someone in connection with Krishna, and the gopis are expressing themselves, Sri Radha in particular here, they are thinking that they are separated from Krishna, but actually Krishna's message through Uddhav, the, the letter that Krishna sent for them through Uddhav, as we will see, mentions in the message how actually they are not separated. They cannot be but united perpetually, Gopis and Krishna. So Uddhav thought at this moment, this is the, very, the best moment for me to deliver the message to the Gopis that Krishna sent with me, the letter that he himself wrote with his own handwriting. So after this particular verse, this closing of the Brahma Gita, Uddhav will start to speak. He will glorify hmm, the love of the gopis. He will glorify the darshan he has just from Sirada in the Brahma Gita. He will deliver Krishna's message to them. Then the gopis will have something to say in reply to Krishna's message and show their own understanding of the message, even though Uddhav had another understanding of we will see. And then after the gopis replied to Uddhav's words, Uddhav again will take his the word the word and start to glorify in famous six prayers, the prayer of the Brajabhas and the gopis in particular. So we will spend some more few sessions, as you may have seen already, maybe the flyer for our Tatpa Vivek series of August, you will see that we will still study in Brahmar Gita. So the idea is that we will close this whole Brahmar Gita series in this and next month, July and August. So we'll have maybe five more classes. As we had five introductory classes, we'll have five concluding classes and in between the Brahma Gita. So it's five introductory classes, ten classes for the Brahma Gita, another five concluding classes when we will see what happened after this Brahma Gita, the afterthought of it, and how the whole Brajalila uh, um, closed down, if you will, how it was got in manifest on planet third and how the whole Krishna Lila developed after this high point of the Bhagavatam. But for today, of course, I'm finishing here with this last verse of Brahma Gita officially and starting from next week we will begin with our concluding series of lectures, approximately five, six of them till the end of August. So, before finishing, I don't know if anyone has any any question, any thought, something you may like to share? <clears throat> okay, seems we have no questions today, so we will close here our session as usual, offering our pranam hmm, to Srimad Bhagavatam, especially the Harikata delivered by the Gopis and Srirad in particular here in the Brahma Gita with this famous prayer by Sri Uda when he puts his head on the ground and prays for receiving the dust of the lotus feet of the Braja Gopikas perpetually whose kirtan is so powerful and so transformative that it has the, the potential to embrace and purify and bless the three worlds. So we are here, one little tiny speck of dust in one little corner on this planet Earth, praying hopefully 
that we may be touched by this grace and we may humbly acknowledge that gift on our lives and properly reciprocate with that. So, Bandinanda Brajastrinam Padarenum Abhikshmasa Yasam Harikatod Gitam Funati Bhuvanatriam Srila Gurudev Ki Jai Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai Grantarat Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Sri Brahma Gita Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrind Ki Jai Gaur Priman Haribo